RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Hello, how you be? How are things going? How's it coming? It's the fall. I don't know where you are, but if you are anywhere outside of Florida, ah, you got the greatest time of year. I've always loved the fall. I try to bring the fall here to Florida. Where we are, we're in the mornings now. It's actually, it is definitely nice, bearable until 10 o'clock, then 11, 12. Well, we're still, still like, you know, heat. But anyway, I just hope, you, hope you're doing all right. Hope you're doing okay. My name is Rock Raleigh. This is The Rock Stops Here. Just try to have real talk about life, about sports, about entertainment, but really about life. And also, I'm, we're all on the journey. We all want to make it, right? We'd all like to make more money. We'd like to make it to the top of our profession. Most of us, right? We want to have a family. We want to have a healthy family. We don't want to have any problems. We don't want to go to jail. <laughs> oh, I got a story about that. Uh, maybe, you know what? I should make a mental note. I am going to make a mental note of that one. Remind me. But what we got today is I try to bring on a guest. So far, I've been lucky enough to do every single one of these Rock Stops Here podcasts with my guests in person through the pandemic. And I appreciate everybody that's come on. I just think it makes for a better conversation when it's in person, you know, compared to a Zoom if you got to go Zoom, you got to go Zoom. Luckily, I haven't had to do it yet. If it's a big, 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 big celebrity, I'm probably going to have to go that route. But anyway, what do we got today? So it's either coaches, it's players, it's former players, it's entertainers or wrestlers, boxers, football, baseball, basketball. How did you make it to the top? What was it like? How hard is it to stay at the top? What about life after being at the top? What about real life? And I don't want it to be just a former player or a player or a coach or what about like uh, a broadcaster? What about what we have for next week? Unless something else comes up uh, news breaking wise, um, a TV sports photographer that's on the national level and has done work for stars and superstars and has been at all the big events, including being stuck inside that bubble at Disney. What was that experience like? So it's, you know, a videographer, uh, somebody might be behind the scenes, but it's been at a big time level. You know, that's what I'm doing. You know, sometimes those are the best. Those are the best podcasts. All right. Here's what I got today. Drew Felios, he is a play-by-play announcer, mostly college football, does a whole bunch of other sports, including basketball, soccer, even now this sport of pickleball. Pickleball, if you don't know about it, it's a growing, stinking sport. Easier on the knees, uh, all ages can play. But anyway, he is ESPN, and right now he is immersed in college football. How did he get Drew Felios, how did he get from the local scene? I used to work with him, and that's how I know him. And he made himself into a really good play-by-play announcer. And he got an interview at ESPN. He got one shot. And what it was like to get that interview to be flown up to Bristol to go to the spacious campus to interview with a whole bunch of people, to audition, to do an audition, and then not get a call back, and then get a call back, and boom, there you go. And then also living through the pandemic, and then there was no, there was a lot of games that weren't played. You know, not the Alabama, not the SEC, not the biggies, but, you know, other smaller conferences. And then he wasn't working for a while. Now he is back on track. So anyway, without further ado, I hope you enjoy the journey. And even if you're not like a real diehard sports fan, that is okay. Because a lot of these messages that I get from interviewing these people that made it to the top or how hard it was or after the limelight and things like that, I think we can all benefit. You know, no matter what we're doing, right? All right, without further ado, and this is in his condo on Clearwater Beach. Oh, my God, the view. Oh, I think he's the, what is he, the fifth floor? Oh, ha, 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 I didn't want to leave. And he's such a nice guy. Anyway, here he is, my man, Drew. 
All righty, let me welcome in my buddy, my buddy. We work together, we're friends, and you are on ESPN. You do play-by-play. You do a lot of different sports and events. The one, the only, Drew Felios. Drew, what's happening, my man? Rock, thank you so much. It's a privilege to have you into my home for the first time, and thank you so much. Oh, my God. Let me set the stage here. Uh, We are in beautiful Clearwater Beach. We are overlooking the water, the bridge. It's so picturesque. We're high atop in your condo that has been redone. It's like I'm on vacation. You're on vacation. You feel like you're on vacation, you fellows here living the life? Too much. That's the problem, too. Sometimes you forget that you have to work and you have to make money. And, uh, of course, during these challenging times, it hasn't made it any easier. But uh, but things are great, Rock. You know, I'm so blessed. And, uh, you know, we've had such a great run in this, in this line of work over the years that, uh, you know, Still much more to come. I mean, this is a hot market right now. Our teams are on fire and it's just very exciting times, right? No doubt about that. All right, let's go let's go back. Not too long in the past. I want to get to the current and everything you got going on. But you grew up in Tampa and you wanted to be a sportscaster. And I know you really set your mark doing high school sports. That's what kind of set you apart. What was it? You went out to Nebraska. You ended up coming back to Tampa Bay. Had you always wanted to be a sportscaster, Drew? I certainly did, Rock. And um, some of the most special times to me growing up were the times I spent on the baseball field, um, on the basketball court. Those were my sports. And then went to college. And whenever I realized I didn't have enough talent to be a college basketball star like I originally had, had planned, I kind of figured out that, okay, this broadcasting road was probably my best shot. And uh, my first internship was at Fox 13 under the good folks over there. Chip Carter, Nick Billius at the time was the guy who hired me. And and uh, they were the, the perfect mentors at the perfect time. Jeff Tewksbury, Kevin O'Donnell also those guys kind of took me under their wing and um, I learned a little from them. And then I started the small market route. My first job was West Virginia. My second was Tallahassee. My third was Lincoln, Nebraska. And then after Lincoln, I came down back here to Tampa and I was 29 years old. And I remember the very first day when I met the boss, 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 you know who I'm talking about, our good friend, Elliot Weiser. And at that moment, I kind of knew I've got to do something here that's going to make me stand out. And I knew that being a high school, former high school athlete in the area, I knew how important it was to a lot of people and it wasn't getting covered like it should get covered. So it was kind of like, you know, God too talking to me a little bit saying, hey, put everything into this, go do this. And also if you do it and do it right, it could pave the way for something down the road. Now, it's interesting you say that because... When I was looking at it, it was like I wanted to be on the 6 and 11 o'clock news. This is in New Jersey watching New York sports. That was big at the time. But did you, when you got into it, when you were in Tallahassee, when you were in Nebraska, I don't think you were play-by-play. You were a sports anchor, sports reporter. So when you came back to Tampa and you started doing games, did that, did you start feeling like this is what I like doing and can do good? Rock, that's a great question because originally that was the plan to maybe eventually work my way into the weekend guy at one of the affiliates and then maybe as a sports director. But the problem was you had so many guys in the market at the time. Yourself, Chip Carter was still there. Al Keck was still in the market. Uh, J.P. Peterson at the time at Channel 8. Established, talented guys. I knew I wasn't going to step right in, but I didn't I didn't want to go to a mid-market at the time. I had been away from home enough, so I figured, let me go back home, be around my parents who were getting up in age, and just do something different and unique that's going to provide some value. I knew there weren't going to be as many eyes on it as if I was doing a Bucks game or something like that, but I figured, do it, and if you get really good at play-by-play, that could lead to something down the road. And that really is what happened, right? Mm-hmm. You honed your craft into, mm-hmm. so you were one of the best around when it came to high school sports and play-by-play. And the station that you were at, it was Catch 47 and then Bright House Sports Network. They rolled out big trucks. It was a really good production for high school games, was it not? You know, it's it goes back, Rock. I mean, we, uh, we had some incredible times. We covered some incredible athletes. Uh, this past fall, I had a chance to go out to a game and I talked to a few coaches at the game 
and uh, a couple of them were coaching for Carrollwood Day. Jeremy Earl, one of the guys, was the former coach at Jefferson, and he saw me, and I said, Jeremy, how does this compare to the old days? And he looked at me, and he said, Drew, nothing is ever going to compare to the old days and how you guys elevated high school sports around here and what you made it. I'm talking whenever Aaron Murray and James Wilder and Chris Rainey and Ahmad Black at Lakeland, these guys were just unbelievable. The Pouncey twins. I mean, all these guys going through the high school ranks at the time. Uh, it was a special time. Steven Garcia, always fun to cover. You know, uh, he, he's, you know, we've actually become really good friends and uh, just, you know, one of those moments in Tampa Bay sports that, if you experienced it, you knew how it was like, and I'm proud to have been a part of it. Now, I remember I was telling Emily, my wife, before I was, oh, she goes, oh, you're going on Clearwater Beach. She loves like the condos. Oh, you drew. I said, yeah, but here's the thing. I know Drew, and I remember when you got an agent. Now, you were doing good. You could have done it for how, you know, doing the high school thing, but you were getting good. You wanted to get to the next level. And I remember you had an agent that got you an interview in Bristol with ESPN. And I'll never forget it because I was telling Emily, I go, remember when Drew got that interview, this is your chance. It's ESPN. It's a worldwide leader. But he was also under contract and he had to worry if our boss Elliot would find out. And then when you got there and they take you to lunch, I think one of the guys here's been, how's Elliot Weiser? You must have, and you had to audition in Bristol. Do you remember that day, Drew? Like it was yesterday. And, uh, you know, so many different emotions because, you know, like I did, I love that job. I, I love working at Bright House Sports Network, what's now Spectrum. Loved coming in, working with you every day. If everything was perfect back then, we'd still be there. Right. You know exactly. that. The exactly. business changes. Right. Things exactly. change. Yes. That's the challenge of being in the business. Um, but on that particular day, uh, there were a lot of those emotions. At the end of the day, I definitely did want to take that next step. But whether that was the right time and the right moment and the right job, um, you know, they decided on that day that it wasn't. You know, I'll never forget um, sitting there and I, I met with eight or nine different bosses. And then I went to lunch with, this is in Bristol. Yeah, this is in Bristol. Yeah. I think he even auditioned too. Did you yep, not? Yep. Okay. Spent so about ahead. two hours yeah, yeah. doing that. And, uh, you know, they basically throw a show at you and that the computer's open, the scripts are open. They say, go, you have two hours and you look in there and there's PGA NASCAR, Monday night football, all so these different anchoring, things. So you anchoring just have to audition. go. I see. Yes. I see. And, uh, it was, it was definitely an experience, but I, I jumped in the seat. Um, you know, of course, did the best I could at the time. I wasn't doing a lot of anchoring, right? but I could still, sure, y- sure. you know, take pride in my work. I mean, I definitely knew what I was doing, but, um, uh, but the, the lunch I'll, I'll, I'll never forget with, uh, with, uh, Patrick Donaher, who's the head of talent today and deals with all the main ESPN talents. And then Al Jaffe, who was on the big dream job show, Legendary name. had a chance to meet them. And, uh, Patrick, I still deal with today. He's, he's a great guy. He's treated me great. And, uh, you know, the, eventually a great opportunity came about to where I was going to get to call games and do what I had wanted to do all along. But but they didn't just give it to me. It doesn't happen I, that they, fast. They gave me a little by little. So that was 2012 when I went on that interview. I didn't go under contract until 2016. I so it took see. four years. I see. And you had to just consistently be somebody that they depended on and somebody who could pass those tests. But Rocky was, it was an experience of a lifetime. I'll never forget it. Wow. Now you also, I know, you know, people think it's just so glamorous and you just get there, but they don't see the travel portion. Obviously you love what you're doing. But when you're doing games on ESPN, even I remember you were doing soccer, but it was in Georgia. You were having to travel a distance and maybe late at night and all that. These are some of the things that people don't don't see, Drew. I'm so glad, Rock, you touched on that because people, when they see the Facebook pictures or they hear that you're doing this or that, they think, oh, life is great. Everything's hunky dory. I had no idea the the demand that it took physically and mentally and what it meant to be mentally tired. And what I mean by that is all the names, all the numbers, all the teams, all the stories you have to know going in, you got to be on par with each producer. Um, There was one week I'll never forget 
I was doing it at a pretty high rate. I did six games in six different cities in one week. Wow. And I've, I remember eventually in the midst of that trip, and there were a few of them, I woke up in the hotel rock and I looked around and I said to myself, where am I? What do I have to do today? Where do I have to be? I didn't know what was next. You have a few of those mornings. I know you and I, we kind of joke. We both like pro wrestling and we we talk about how, you know, these guys are on the road and how, like, I know what that feels like waking up and having that pressure on you to perform, knowing that you have to have all your ducks in a row. Time management is critical. You have to be very organized and then you got to perform. You're a performer and there's, there's that element in there and you have to be consistent. So those are all the things that I learned. You know, I look, I look at it and, you know, I'm looking at my upcoming schedule. It's slowly starting to come back. COVID took a big bite out of my business, but, um, it's still the greatest honor in the world to pick up a microphone and to be able to tell the stories of these athletes and to be able to call a game and to be asked to do such a thing. So I, I don't trade it for one bit, but is it more difficult than I thought it would yeah. be? Absolutely. It's a uh-huh. lot harder than just going out on a Friday night to Armwood high school right. and calling a game right. when you're on the road constantly and you're dealing with so many different moving parts. It is without question a challenge. Also. So I was just thinking of this when you're talking like, when you did the high school thing, you knew who was the director, who's going to be on camera, the same audio guy, but that's not the case for your level. You're working with different producers, different guys, right? And I guess you got to kind of get along. Some are better than others, right? Different guys in the truck in your ear. Everyone does stuff the you know, a different way. Everybody likes their bread buttered a different way. And you just have to be able to adjust back in the day. I knew Chris McCulley. I knew Ken O'Leary. I knew them. They knew me. And it was like clockwork every single week. Well, when you work at the network level and you do as many sports as I do, you've got to be able to be flexible. And you know, as well as I do rock, when you're in the middle of a show, you got someone in your ear, yeah. their countdown's different. Their method is different. The audio level may be different. You just have to constantly adjust and you have to be able to pull it off at the end of the day. And it, when that show starts, you may not have it fully figured out. You better figure it out quick because eyes are watching and uh you know the nation's watching and uh yeah it's uh it definitely definitely uh definitely challenges you that's sure. another thing i was thinking about Drew. do they at espn at that level i'm assuming you're critiqued like they're they're everybody you know yes you're critiqued when they call you back <laughs> if you if you get that email then you did a good job if you don't get that if you don't get that email point. or call then you probably uh did not pass the test um no I no it, i mean I in all fun uh yes you know you'll have communications your manager will send you um send you an email and tell you what he liked or what he didn't like uh but uh, wh- the first thing I said, there, the, there is a little truth to that, especially when you're trying to get in yeah. with the company. Um, you have to you have to be able to perform and they know right away. It's it's that it factor. You either have it or you don't. Yeah. What's the difference between is it a big difference between doing college basketball compared to football? And then I know you've also done soccer. We're going to get into some of your other things that you do. Is it harder? Is it harder to do football? There's more guys or is basketball like quicker? Uh, What about it? Without question, college football is the ultimate challenge because there's so many uh, names on the roster. Uh, You know, you go in these big stadiums a lot of times. uh, That's whenever the crew sometimes is going to be challenged a little. So you have to adjust to whatever those those challenges are. You know, the other night we um, we did a game at USF. And uh, my producer, uh, Dave Tasca, he said, Drew, let's knock out all the halftime bits before the game. So I said, "Okay, let's (laughs) let's let's give this a shot. So, of course, we banged it all out in one take. But after we were done, we look up at the clock and there's four minutes until showtime. Oh, my goodness. And he just says, we're doing it live. No rehearsals on the open. So right then, you know, okay, it's game time. And I told my partner, Lee Doosable, who played for the New York Jets and 10 different NFL teams, I said, hey, man, we're live. And he said, OK, so that, that's 
that's an idea there of how you have to just adjust and just make it work. And uh, you know how it is, Rock Live TV. You've done more live yeah. TV than anyone. You know, you you just have to you have to make it work. And if there's a little hitch, you got to just fight through it. Now, what about broadcast partners? Is it? I'm assuming it's easier if you have mostly the same partner for a season and you get along. What is it like when you're working maybe a first time with a new guy? Is there some that you like? You don't have to give names mm-hmm. that you get along more than others. And you also spend time not only at the game. It might be dinner. It might be hotel. Right? Absolutely. You know, I, I think of the Matt Damon, Ben Affleck uh, analogy. You could work great with somebody, but eventually it seems like everybody wants to work with somebody else just to make them better. I see. Nobody really fully gets into a comfort zone unless you've got an iconic pair like Herb Street and Fowler or Madden and Summerall, you know, Joe Buck and Aikman, Al Michaels, Collinsworth. Those are, you know, iconic pairs. But it, other than that, it seems like, you know, most guys will work together for maybe a year, a couple years, and then eventually they'll change or they'll just frequently change. I've got my favorites. Of course, um, you know, you want to be able to get along with the person and then, you want to just have chemistry. You know, it's like, hey, I'll bring the peanut butter. You bring the jelly. I'll talk about this. You talk about that. At the end of the day, I know rock. I've been doing this a long time. And I know that the best shows are done with not just me talking. I need that other guy. Yeah. Um, so I'll clearly define, hey, this is how we should do it. At the end of the day, I just want the best show. I don't care really how much I talk or how much he talks. If it fits into that moment. Or if it's if it's the best re- recipe at the moment, that's what I want. You know, you got to want what's best for the show. And uh, I've worked with some great partners. I had um, a couple years ago. I had Mike Golick Jr. as he was getting groomed to do games. Really? So we uh, we we had a game out at Kansas State. We had a sellout crowd, and uh, it was really really awesome out there. I've had uh, Chris Doring, who's now a fixture on the SEC Network. Um, I had him calling some games. This is way back, maybe 2016, 17. Uh, in soccer, Lori Lindsay, who I worked with four years ago and sort of trained, she was doing the Olympics wow. this past year. Wow. She shot right up. So I've had pretty good success taking people that are just getting into the business and kind of helping them, you know, go on to bigger and better things. You know, now, meanwhile, I'm not calling Monday Night Football. I'm not calling Monday Night Football and probably never will. But for me, that's okay. To me, like I'm realistic, Rock. I mean, I'm not a guy who grew up holding a microphone. You know, I've kind of trained myself to be that. I mean, I was a major stutter growing up. I was always nervous to go up and give a speech. Um, So I've kind of fought through it in my life and made a career out of it. And I just kind of go in where God points me in that direction. So so I'm totally at peace with myself. Ten years ago, that may not have been the case. But now, just sit back, do good work. And when someone needs me to do something, go do the absolute best I can. I totally agree, man. You just start realizing where you are, what's important in life, and still love what we do. What about, here's something that I bet you uh, the boatload of fans don't know. You know, they hear you calling the game. They know that you got to know all the players and this and that. But it's like storylines, knowing teams, meeting with coaches or coordinators before the games, whether it's Zoom or actually in person. That's a big part of it, is it not? A lot of people don't understand, don't realize that. Absolutely huge. You know, you obviously read through the notes. You obviously look into the history. You talk to the sports information director at that particular school or somebody close to the program. But then the coach gives you a lot. And some do and some some don't. Some don't. Exactly. For instance, you know, um, I called a game a couple weeks ago. The coach is very well known. I don't want to give his name, but very well known. He didn't know who I was. I've, I've never called one of his games. He, uh, Gave me very little because you know he's never worked with me before. I expect that. Other coaches that have seen my work know who I am. Of course, they're going to open up a little more. And uh, I've been fortunate, you know, to where I've um, been able to establish some good relationships with coaches. But it's funny too, 
you know after sitting down with the coach for 30 minutes who's really got it together and who's maybe trying to just hang on or is just not really being very effective in their current role. You kind of can tell. And it's, I'll tell you what, when you ask about kids and they don't know anything about the kid or they just know jumps high, runs fast, but they don't really know about that kid's background, about his parents, where he came from. They don't really go there. Whenever that happens, that coach is going to be a short timer. The ones, who, the ones who are invested and know their kids are the best coaches. Wow. That is great. That is great. Okay. So we move ahead now. You made it through. We all made it through COVID. There weren't, you know, there were a lot of games on the level that you're doing. A lot of games weren't even played. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a rough year for you. Uh, you ended up dabbling. You're like, okay, you got into real, mm-hmm. being a real estate mm-hmm. agent mm-hmm. Uh, and made it through, right? Was yeah. it a challenging, a little challenging uh, time, Drew? Tell you what, it was, it was, uh, I think kind of like, I, I looked at it, you know, I'm in my mid forties now. It's halftime in my life, right? I was on this crazy trek, this crazy pace, working jobs all over the country, no slowing down, 100 miles an hour all the time, and then everything just stops. And it does make you kind of reevaluate a little bit, and it did kind of make me say, okay, I know I'm good at this, but can I do something else? And I've always rocked you, talked about partners, because I've worked with a lot of guys in the past. The ones who impressed me the most were people that were good at other things, whether it was attorneys, CEOs, I've worked with them all, people that had something else going and they were just dabbling in broadcasting. I respected those people. And honestly, I kind of wanted to be one of those people one day. So I figured now's my chance. You know, I've got a little break here. I uh, think eventually the games and the events will come back. I also consider just trying to maybe hop back into the local circuit here. But I thought, you know what? I really want to learn business, something with business. My father was a financial advisor. My older brother is a financial advisor. He's done that for 30 years. My father was in it for 50 years, okay? So I thought, you know what? Let me try real estate. Um, I had made this investment on Clearwater Beach, and uh, and Rock, it's been an education, man. It's been, I've learned so much just dealing with people. You don't know somebody until you deal with their money and their investment. Oh, that's a good point. And uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's been really, really fun. And, um, you know, you, you realize too how many people all over the country and all over the world want to come to Florida. It is absolutely incredible. Wow. Wow. So now games back, you're doing more games, you're still doing real estate. And then, I saw you on CBS Sports Network doing pickleball, and I've heard more and more people. I was at Safety Harbor. I, we went inside. My wife was interested. We looked there. I know uh, Martin Gramatica and his wife, and I used to work with Martin, and the sport was growing, and you were doing pickleball. Tell me, seriously, what's, uh, and then the production looked great, Drew, and what about it? Started in pickleball in 2018, I got asked to work an event called the U.S. Open, and it was kind of on a whim. So I went down there for a week, got immersed in the sport, um, and uh, it was great. Um, Couldn't say at the time it was something I loved. It was definitely something I wanted to learn more about and possibly entertain in the future. But at the time, I was like, okay, that's cool. And I just kind of went back to my daily business. Then the pandemic hits. Okay, fast forward three years. Yeah. And then I get asked to work events on the PPA, the Pro Pickleball Association. I fly out to Phoenix, Arizona for about five days. And then after that, I'm in St. George, Utah. And then after that, I'm in Newport Beach, California. And then they had an event here in Tampa. And Rock, I was like, whoa, this thing is really cool. And I say that now because... It had gotten faster. It had gotten younger. The players, the personalities, more dynamic. The crowds were coming out. I could feel that momentum. They've got a legit number one superstar player. His name is Ben Johns. The kid is sensational. He has a younger sister who actually lives here in the Tampa Bay area. Her name is Hannah Johns. She works with the PPA. And uh, great kids, great family. 
Uh, the people who run this PPA, they're the Pardo family based out of Utah. They are an absolute joy to work for. And the TV production side, a guy by the name of Roy, Ray Koyakovo based out of Miami. Uh-huh. He's the guy that I've gotten in with and worked all these events for. And hopefully there's a lot more to come. Uh, but uh, Rockets, I'll tell you what, you know as well as I do, there's a lot of fads when you talk about disc golf and kite surfing and cornhole. There's a lot of these fad sports that come out over the years and people tell you, oh, it's the next big thing. Pickleball is the next big thing. In fact, it's here, man. It is legit. And it's not just people watching. It's people going out and playing. They're falling in love with this game. Awesome. 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 No, I was blown away when I was watching, watching the production and everything else. You've also done soccer. I know you do the rowdies. You've, you've, you, you're doing it all. Is there anything that you want to say at all as we kind of wrap it up here, Drew? Um, do you have any advice? Do you want anything at all? Do you, you want to kind of close out here, here, Drew Felios? Yeah. I mean, there's times when, um, you know, the, like I said, the business can, can get tough. It's, it's an incredibly rewarding and gratifying business because you meet so many amazing people. That's the first and foremost best thing about the business. Uh, it does get challenging and, and yeah, I, I try and tell people cause I get asked all the time, rock advice and, uh, I try and tell them, hey, do good work, be good to people. And when you don't know the answer, sometimes you just have to pray that things work out. I did back then, and things just sort of work out. I I learned over the course of my career when you really try, try, try to nail that round hole in a square peg, it's probably not meant to be, you know. Um, The the best jobs that I've had in my lifetime have just kind of eventually come. So... Keep your head up through this pandemic. I know a lot of people have gone through what what I've gone through. Just keep trucking. Uh, love what you do. And, uh, you know, eventually good things will happen. At Rock, I've been so blessed with this career. I mean, look, you know, where we're at, uh, you know, knowing you, getting the chance to know you. And, uh, yeah, man, it's been great. Oh, thank you, Drew. Appreciate it. Thank you, Drew. So funny story there. So he is in this beautiful condo. What a bachelor pad. He redid everything. He decided, you know what? I got some time. I'm He's a bachelor. I'm going to live on Clearwater Beach. And so he does. He bought this thing. He gutted it. And everything in there is new. There's picture windows galore. What a beautiful. Oh, you see the bay. You see the bridge you see downtown clearwater you see oh it's just gorgeous so they were painting there were painters they were painting his condo on the day that i went i went last week and so we set up shop in his little like uh, nook kitchen uh, dinette area where there's all you know big glass windows oh my god so he's at one end of the table i'm at the other end of the table and as we're going on through the interview I see this scaffolding with the big picture window looking out, boom, 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 moving down. And here's two painters, a guy and a woman that are painting outside on the condo. And I'm looking at Drew and I don't want to interrupt his flow of thought. And I'm really locking in on him, but I'm like, I'm seeing these painters come down and they're right there at his window. And the female painter would go down with her brush, look in and see us talking with two microphones. I got headphones on sitting there. They're right there at the window. It's scaffolding, painting the building. And she was actually laughing. And I just kept my focus with my man, Drew Felios. And to show you how nice of a guy he is, I, I texted him and something, you know, I thought I butt dialed him the other day. I do that a lot. My wife and daughter are always busting me. Who did you butt dial? Who did you FaceTime that you didn't mean? Like my phone in a pocket walking around. And I th- saw Drew Felios came up and I said, oh, my bad. I think I must have butt dialed you. And then I didn't see his text till later. He goes, no, I was texting you. And it was about something and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know what? He would be a good subject because, you know, it's been a journey to get to where he is and then the nerve wracking trip to Bristol and not wanting your current boss to know that you're there because you're still under contract for this. But yet it's a great opportunity. 
and you don't want to, you know, your boss, you never know how they can react, you know, is he trying to get out of here? Oh, okay. Because there's so many people that want to still get into this business. Oh my God. I have stories and it has changed. Uh, no experience, but if you're technically sound and you can have your own YouTube channel and you do things on different podcasts, you can kind of get in and, and how some are like, wow, so cocky. And yet they've never covered like when I first came into the business, I was low key, man. I just watched and observed. And of course I came into that New York, New Jersey metropolitan area and it come from a small radio station. And when I got into New York and with the Giants and the Jets and the Yankees and the Mets and, you know, post game or in these interview room, I would just mind my P's and Q's and watch. And today there are some that have no experience and they're so cocky. It's it's really something else. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not going there. But how times have changed. Like you're always going to need play by play, guys. You're always going to need because games live. There's nothing better than games live. That's not going to change. You know, when the DVR came out years ago and people like, oh, you can you can tape your favorite show. And then when you get to it, you go watch it. If you finally have time at nine o'clock at night and everything's done and dishes are done and taking your shower and you're chilling out. Now you can watch whatever show that you taped, but it's not like that for games. Guys do not. Most people, majority, 90% don't want to watch something on tape delay unless you really want to see it. You try not to find out who won. It's so rare. You want to see everything live. So that's not going away. And ratings for live games, NFL and all the others, college football are are just through the roof, through the stinking roof. So you'll always need play-by-play guys or women, play-by-play people, I should say, then the color analyst, somebody that's played the game and can break it down a little bit for us, and then the sideline. And mostly sideline are all female now. And then you're getting more and more females that are coming into the beeswax. And the ones that do, you know, the ones that really put in the work and, you know, more, more power, man, you know, more power. Um, I, there was a great, you know, what? you know what I also noticed and and, and again, I'm trying with this podcast. I have another one. If you're an NFL fan or if you're a Buccaneers fan, it's called Bucks kickoff. And that's 24 hours before every kickoff with the Buccaneers. And that's on JoeBucksFan.com. Or now I think it might be on wherever you get your podcast. But anyway, that's the X's and O's. But I will tell you, I'm over there so much. And I will tell you this one little story. And then I want to move on to something else. Bruce Arians has the most diverse coaching staff in the NFL. African-Americans, women. I believe it's more than any other team. He doesn't care what color you are, where you came from, if you're a girl, a woman, a man, it doesn't matter. Are you a good person? Are you smart? Do you work hard? Do you know your stuff? Can you get along with people? Boom. That's and it's really it's really amazing to see. And I used to be, I got to admit, I admit it. I used to be, oh, how can so-and-so, you know, be a coach that never even played in the game or be be an analyst for this that you never even played? Like, how? But I noticed there's a female assistant defensive line coach, Lori Locust, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I have been lucky enough, this training camp and practices, to be around and watch and observe. And I wouldn't be able to tell whether she's male or female. She is well, well liked, not only here, but in her prior stops, she played football, she coached. And when I put video up on my social media of coach Lori Locust, she was working with the D lineman. They go underneath this thing. It's like a, it almost looks like a trampoline, but it's square. And they all go underneath that to get in their stance. That's to keep their bodies down. And they fire out underneath this thing. They go one by one, whatever drill there's working on. She puts on these big 
They're almost like huge gloves, mitts, but they look like pylons. And she'll do boom, 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 boom. It's like a, like a boxer when he's with a trainer working mitts and boom. Or they might be going, she sets up the blocking dummies. And then <clears throat> Vita Vea, the, the Dominican Sue, Will Golston, uh, uh, Nacho, these big behemoths come down with their speed and agility and boom, 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 boom. She makes sure they all set up. And I was just watching her and then seeing the interaction. And then there's another female coach on the team. She is the physical therapist and assistant uh, strength and conditioning. And she came over and she was stretching out big Vita Vea, big, huge defensive tackle and making sure with his legs in the, the positions that he was moving to, he stood and just the respect that they have. And this is a male sport, football, tough, violent. And it really is something to see. It really even opened my eyes. And when I posted that video of Coach Lori Locust, I had two days worth of people still retweeting, commenting, hitting. I'm like, God, if you all like this so much, I got another video of Coach Lori Locust. Let me put this up. She was also on. uh, She did a couple interviews, but I heard her on Joe Buck's fan. And she was great. And she really appreciates where she is. She's nice. I've heard her interacting when there's downtime before practice is going to start during training camp because the media area was right where the defensive linemen start doing their thing. She'd be talking with Bulls and other coaches and just a lot of respect. Couldn't be nicer. Does her work. And it just, wow. It's like it doesn't matter where you came from. Like what John Lynch said when he, when he was at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. And at the end of his speech, because he had to follow Peyton Manning. Oh, my God. And... He was great. He was like Warren Sapp, where he came from. A dirt, dirt little road, you know, Popka, Florida. You know, uh, Derek Brooks, Pensacola, Florida. Him, San Diego, California. His dad was a uh, executive in the radio business. Uh, Extra in San Diego was one of his stations that he owned. Uh, I don't know if he was GM at the time. It was where Jim Rome started. But... John Lynch grew up in a, I would say, upper middle class family in San Diego, but they all came together, whether you're from the hood, whether you're from a dirt road, whether you're from a a nice place, you know, a ritzy community, gated community. When you're on a team and you eventually win a championship, you all put all that aside and it's and and like this is kind of neat to see. So it's really cool to see. So I thought that I would just throw that in there. A um, <clears throat> couple of things with Drew since Drew with the broadcasting. You know how times have changed. Darren Ravel. I don't know if you know who he is. He was known. He was one of the the pioneers really when Twitter started. He tweeted so much that ESPN picked him up from NBC Sports or CNBC, wherever he was from. And basically, he mostly just tweeted. <laughs> at, at, at occasion, they'd bring him on for something and he'd be on set. But really, he just he, he tweeted. And he, uh, he put out a question the other day on his Twitter. How many of you... No. Yeah, how many of you have watched SportsCenter, ESPN SportsCenter, in the last 11 months? I don't know. I, I think he put 11 months. Why? Let's say a year. Why? And I think it was like something like maybe 40, maybe 40%, not even that, had even watched one time. Or was it like, and I was thinking to myself, when is the last time that I sat down and watched a SportsCenter? Years. I, I honestly don't even know. Don't even know. And I'm talking about maybe even in the background. It's just like, wow, have times changed? See, when I grew up, I don't know what age you are, but if you are maybe in your 40s, certainly in your 50s, 60s, later, if you're younger, probably not. You used to get your sports from the local news at 6 and 11 o'clock at night. It had always run no matter what market you lived in, what around, what do you think, like 20 after? Uh, Back in the day, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in New Jersey. We had New York TV stations. Marv Albert, before he did all his play-by-play, was on Channel 4, NBC. He did sportscasts. 
Warner Wolf was another very popular. Let's go to the videotape. Very popular. He had a book. I read it. I was all into him. He eventually went to D.C., Washington, D.C. Worked right up until not too long ago. He might have also been on, uh, uh, oh, the one Howard Stern would always criticize. Don Imus. I think he was even on Don Imus. Warner Wolf. But he used to do the 6 and 11 o'clock news. I would not miss his sportscast. If it was time to, to watch, you know, that's how you... Now... Oh, my God, viewership for local news. And they put no emphasis on it, mostly. They give these poor people, guys and girls, that do local sports on affiliated stations, maybe like a minute, a minute 20, minute 30. Done. A minute. Done. <laughs> you missed it. Wait, let me, sports on? Is it on 624? Five? It's done. You know? Uh, it's just how times have changed. And now even sports. Remember how Sports Center? If you were a sports fan, how much did you you watch Sports Center? You watch Sports Center with Dan Patrick and and the other one that I don't I don't like. He was so I'm a couple a couple times out in my travels over the years. He's a big baseball fan. Thinks his crap doesn't stink, but I digress. But boy, how times have changed. You know, uh, you're getting all your stuff immediately, immediately. And podcasts are so fantastic. And I got to, I eventually got to go the YouTube route because most want to see video. There's a, there's several podcasts that I click on to on just strictly on their YouTube channel. You know, even though I got the phone in my pocket and I might have my headphones on or doing stuff, you know, but it's at your time. So it's, it's just amazing to see how times have changed. Now I will tell you this, just like you, I'm busy doing stuff, even if it's on a Sunday. There are some guys that are on the couch all day. I can't be on the couch for 10, 12 hours a, uh, a day. I, I, I just can't. I just can't lay on the couch. I wish I could, but I can't. There are plenty of guys that can. There are other guys that can go to the sports bar on a Saturday for college football. I know a guy, and he bragged about it. He went through two different complete shifts. Bartending shifts, waitstaff shifts, complete. And they did hours and hours. He got there from the noon game and wouldn't leave until the Pac-12 or those Hawaii West Coast games when they're cleaning up. He would be at his same table that long at a sports bar. I don't know how he does it. I couldn't. I can't do that. My I <laughs> and I can pound him. And, and and I don't eat a lot, big portions anymore after my gallbladder attack and operation. But anyway, anyway, uh, but there are times where I might have things to do. I have a daughter. I got a son. He's coming down a little bit later, uh, a wife and just, you know, that's family. You know, you get stuff going on, might be scheduled. You do. So I don't I'm not locked in all day, Saturday, all day. And I'll say Sunday. Some guys are. And so there's been times where. Now I have Hulu, so I got NFL Network back. Prior to this, I think NFL Network only came on Hulu like this season. I didn't have NFL Network, so I had to rely on ESPN. And if I was busy and doing all that, I'm on my phone, and then there's times where I'm not, like I got family commitments, and I'd come in, and there'd been times over the last couple years where it's a Sunday evening, and I'm like, ah, I just want to see the highlights. Like, who did what? I'm going to get caught up right now instead of clicking, you know, blah, blah, blah on my phone. And like I tried with ESPN NFL on on a on a Sunday evening and they'll give you highlights of one game. And then here comes the analyst and then they're breaking it down and then they're asking them questions. And then they may go out to a soundbite or to in a quick interview. Boom. Oh, finally. Now we're going to get highlights in the next game and then more of a breakdown. I don't need all the breakdown. You know, it would be nice. It was actually a quick boom, half hour, everything that I missed because I've been busy during the day, you know, but who knows? You know, I'm just telling you me, me. I don't know if you're that same way. All righty. One more thing. The Mannings, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, the patriarch of the Manning family, Archie Manning, and now the nephew of Peyton Manning, Arch Manning. Can the Mannings do no wrong? I thought there was only one perfect human being in Tim Tebow. I kid. I don't start getting on me. 
He is a great, 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 great man. I know he's not, he can't be perfect. There's got to be something wrong somewhere. Some, does he have any skeletons in his closet? (laughs) But anyway, the Mannings, is there anything, you know, what the heck for a father? Now, when I was a little kid, I remember the Archie Manning, New Orleans Saints name. Archie Manning was legendary in college. And just great as a New Orleans Saints quarterback, Archie Manning. And along comes Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Eli Manning. Now, I know Eli has that kind of look. It's almost like, duh, not much emotion. But you know what? He's got it, man. He's won the biggies, right? Right? You got to give him that. I actually, there was a Super Bowl in my, I think it was the one in Miami. I don't think it was the one in New Orleans. It was a while ago. He wasn't playing in it, but they had an event that I went and covered. It was on a ship docked and there was some type of game on it and this and that. And I remember being around him that day and he couldn't have been nicer. I'm like, this is an NFL quarterback. He was young at the time, but just real, like, no thinking that I'm all that. And I'm like, really? You know? All right, so there's Al Eli. And then there was Cooper Manning. Now, Cooper Manning didn't make it in the football like the, you know, Peyton and, and, and Eli and Archie. But his son is Arch Manning, and he's one of the most highly recruited quarterbacks in the country. Everybody wants a piece of him. He could possibly be better than Peyton and Eli Manning and Archie Manning. How about that? And to have that kind of pressure, usually when you grow up with a with a so-called maybe silver spoon and your family has had fame and fortune, how hard is it to be really driven? I'm sure we all, you all know of the trust fund baby. Or, you know, when my brother first moved to Brooklyn, the Williamsburg section, 20 years ago, it was a bunch of hipsters and trust fund kids. And they would just sit all day in the coffee shop and they would just, they just had so much money and they didn't have to worry about working. That's my point is like, the Mannings are loaded. The Manning family, loaded. So much fame and fortune, but yet to still be driven to be the best Arch Manning, how about it? So it was announced this week, like the schools that Arch Manning is going to visit and he has narrowed it down. He's already had some visits in the off season and he's that good. He's narrowed it down. He's going to visit and he's even, they even have the dates set for the meet. Like it's such a big thing. Can you imagine Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Clemson, and Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, Went on, I don't know, he joined, he was already on social media. So was he already on the Twitter and he and he joined Instagram? Was that it? There was one platform that he just joined last week and he had one follower. He only followed one person. Who do you think he followed? Arch Manning. Because, <laughs> you know, you gotta, hey, you gotta. That's, who was it that was telling me? One of the one of the coaches that got into the NFL from college said that's the one thing that he doesn't miss. Being a grown-ass man, having to follow 16, 17-year-old, even 15-year-old high school kids that he's looking to recruit, following their social media. Can you imagine that? When you're a grown-ass man with your own family, and you got to follow another teenager and everything that he's doing. Oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. But it's part of the game. Um, I think that is about it for today. I'm trying to think. I don't have, you know, every day I could give you a Brady story, but I know you're going to get bored of that. But we'll see what happens. Now we're getting into the postseason with baseball. I love it. Now is when I really, there's too many, for me, there's, from this is just me, there's so many baseball games and the games can be long. Unless it's on in the background and I'm doing things, I cannot lay down and sit down on a couch for four straight hours. Just while I can't do it. 
and I played baseball for a long time. As a matter of fact, I, well, who, who cares? No, nobody cares about that. But now, now that it is playoff time, and I just love when, see, being here in Florida is so hot for me. There's, I have a buddy that I talk to in New Jersey, and he goes, man, I would trade with you in a heartbeat. I hate the cold so much. I don't care if it's 100 degrees. I don't care if I'm sweating so much. I can't take it. And I'm like, at the end of the season now, like, wow, it's, I, I can't wait for cooler weather. So I always loved the fall being, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm from the Northeast. I did live in Denver, Colorado, that suburb, Littleton for two years, said I was never coming back East, came back to, came to Florida, got a gig, never left. It's 25 years, but uh, life's turned out okay. But you can't plan it. You can't plan it. But uh, I just love the fall. I love the trees. I love the crisp air. I love the, oh, going to football games locally and walking to the field and then getting a hot chocolate and it's cold. Oh, I don't miss raking leaves. That was a pain in the ass. Oh, I hated that when my parents made us rake leaves. Oh, but uh, I digress. And then there's even some snow. Last week, uh, one of the meteorologists here tweeted out a picture of Anchorage started to snow. And I actually retweeted it. My wife thinks I'm nuts. She thinks I'm nuts. But you know what? All in all, I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful for my friends that I know in this beeswax that are doing this podcast with me, like Drew Felios. Oh, one last thing about Drew. Let me tell you about Drew Felios. So I was a coworker of him. I saw how much effort he put into high school broadcasting. You know, God love him. I, I, can't, I can't on the high school level. I just, I just can't. You know, my high school was eh, my experience. Uh, I like life after high school. I was telling a guy at the bar the other day, uh, I walked down there and I saw them outside. There was nobody around. And I they see he goes, come on, I'll buy you a beer, him and his wife. And I've known him, his character. And, and I said, you know what? When I was 19 years old, that's how I learned. That's when I learned to party. Uh, life is grand in Leo land. They were laughing. But um, Drew loved the high school scene. Given And when you go to a high school game, the, the school, they embrace you. They love it that they're getting the publicity. And he loved it. God love him. And then he worked at it. And then he went to ESPN. And what a story that was. And he got it. So when he texted me, I said, okay, I come to you. That's what I tell everybody. Hey, it's an audio only thing. You don't have to worry about look, you know, no setup time at all. Two mics and me. I'll come to you. When can we do it? Tell me. I'll come to your place. I'll come inside, outside, inside, outside, ready to go. That's my, that's my text to anybody that I try to get on the podcast. And, uh, Drew said to me, he's like, okay, and I'll have lunch. And I'm like, what guy makes lunch for another guy? Like, that's how good of a dude he is. I see you don't have to do that, Drew. So sure enough, I get to his condo. I go up to the fifth floor. I'm like taking FaceTime video from my wife. She loves this stuff. She loves redone stuff. She loves the beach, the whole bit, blah, blah, blah. She So anyway, I'm doing this, doing that. Boom. I said, okay. And he goes, I got lunch. And I said, oh, that's all. Oh, man, I said, why don't we do this first, bang it out, and then we can eat. He goes, okay, great. So sure enough, he got me, oh my God, the Cuban, the uh 1924 or something like that. They call it this salad. It's it's a famous place. They have an Ebor City, and then they have another location on San Key near Clearwater Beach. And he went and got original Cuban sandwiches and this salad that's famous. Oh, the bowl was humongous. And since I've had the gallbladder operation, I eat more times a day but not big meals and it seems to work out better. And I'm like thinking, this is a humongous bowl. I'll never finish this. Oh, we were BSing after we were done talking about everybody. And, uh, and I ate the whole salad. And then I said, well, I know I'm not going to eat this whole Cuban on top of that. And, it, and it's a real Cuban sandwich. Oh, so I ate half of it. And I said, Drew, I'll, I just going to go with half. He goes, Oh, no problem. I'll, I'll put the, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it up for you. 
you can take it home. And then we were talking, and I, I'm walking, I'm putting my backpack on. I walked out with it, and it was driving down uh, by Clearwater Beach. And I'm like, oh, well, you know what, Drew? You got yourself another half of a Cuban sandwich. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for listening, subscribing. And next week, we'll do it all again. The rock stops here. Thanks. I appreciate it, man. Looking for studios in the Tampa Bay area to record your podcast? Radio Influence can help. With two studios on either side of the bay, Radio Influence has you covered. Engineered and produced by longtime radio professionals, achieve the excellence in podcasting that you and your listeners deserve. For more information or to schedule studio time, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence, the future is now.